At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Dead Wind by Tessa Wiegert. The body is discovered on Wolf Island under the shadow of an enormous wind turbine. Senior investigator Shayna Merchant can't shake the feeling that she knows the victim, and the subsequent identification sends shockwaves through their community in the Thousand Islands of upstate New York. Politics, power, passion, there are dark undercurrents in Shayna's new home, and finding the killer means dredging up her new friends and neighbors' old grudges and long-kept secrets. Dead Wind is the third novel in the beloved Shane Emergent series, and a perfect place to jump into Shane's world, and it's perfect for fans of Denise Mina, Ruth Ware, Lucy Foley, or just great mysteries in general. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 124, and we are recording on Sunday, April 3rd. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello, Nezra. How are you? I am good. I am currently coming to you from a land of congestion because I have a toddler who has gotten sick twice in the last month it thankfully has never been COVID it's just been congestion and everything so this time I finally got it as well so it's going great how are you (laughs) (laughs) well I'm doing better than I was earlier in the week I occasionally have foot problems where my foot will kind of start to cramp up or I have arch issues and only occasionally does it get really bad where like I can't put weight on my foot. Well, that happened this week and I had to miss a day of work because I literally could not put any weight on my left foot. I don't know what happened. I don't know why this all of a sudden decided to crop up and be a problem again, but it did. And my foot is fine now. But yeah, I had to, I had to stay home on Thursday with my foot wrapped up in an ace bandage and me just kind of limping all around the apartment and making my husband feel sorry for me. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm glad to hear that it's feeling better, though. Yes, I went to work the next day with my foot wrapped up. Just it, it was feeling much better. But yeah, I got a lot of like, oh, my gosh, what happened? I'm like, <laughs> I'm fine. Just if you see me limping, don't panic. It's okay. I can put weight on it now. But yeah, this I was just like, really? Because yeah, the last time that happened was like five or six years ago. And I was like, I really didn't need for that to crop up again. But here we are. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It sounds like you need to treat yourself to some new books. Yes. That's my solution for everything. I have a feeling I'm going to buy a book. Yes. No, <laughs> it, it is a solution that cures many ills. Yes. I asked this with hesitation, but have you been reading? <laughs> yes, I have been. Um, granted, it's mostly been stuff for this episode of the podcast, so I'm not going to talk about it right now. But yes, I did uh, read a fantastic book that I'm going to talk about later in the episode. And I read it 
like almost entirely in one sitting. It was so good. And it was much needed. And I also took a leaf out of your book and I started listening to the audio version of the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. So oh. I'm oh. I'm not very far into the audio version, but I have that going for me on my commute. So thought you would appreciate that. Oh my goodness. I am so excited for you, but I will say that there, it does get a little gory because obviously it's horror, mm, oh, you know, yeah. so. Nah, gore doesn't bother me. I can. Psh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> for me, I have been, I have not been reading much. It is the month of Ramadan for us Muslims. It started on April 2nd, yesterday. So it's just literally just surviving through the day with the toddler and work and all of the shenanigans. I have not been reading much, but the books that I have for this episode, it's so weird. I was recording an episode of Read Harder the other day, and I had already read the books that I was recommending, like, from a previous life. <laughs> and it's the same today, like, all of the books. Like, I'm so excited that I've already read them, and, like, I can, like, attest to them. I can tell people exactly how I felt. Like, usually I'm in the middle of books. I've either read them really fast for the episode. These ones I read at my pace, and I'm, like, ready to talk about them. So awesome. That's another kind of plus. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, do you want to go ahead and give us our first sponsor and we can jump into this excellent episode? Absolutely. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored in part by Colleen Hoover's Renovade number one bestseller, Verity. Verity is the sensational psychological thriller that has readers obsessed from the number one New York Times bestselling author of It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. In Verity, struggling writer Lowen Ashley gets the job of a lifetime, finishing the books in a best-selling but now comatose author Verity Crawford's successful series. Lowen arrives at Verity's home, ready to sort through years of notes and outlines, and quickly uncovers something unexpected. An unfinished autobiography Verity never intended for anyone to read, full of horrifying secrets and bone-chilling admissions. As Lowen falls deeper in love with Verity's husband, she'll have to make a choice. Keep Verity's memoir a secret or reveal the truth and change all of their lives forever. We thank them very much for sponsoring the show. Alrighty, so if you are a new listener, welcome. We are so excited to have you. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back once again. As always, we are delighted that you continue to put our voices in your ears every two weeks. And like we said at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just everything that falls under that gigantic suspenseful umbrella. If it falls under that umbrella, it is fair game for us to talk about on this show. And this is the part of each episode where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, because as we say every time, they really help us plan so many episodes. And so many of our prior episodes have been based on suggestions from listeners. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. And it's just a win-win situation all around. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about getting it down now. We just put out the call ahead of time, get those creative juices flowing. 
Even if you do not have an idea and you just want to say hi, there is nothing that we enjoy hearing more. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And with that, we've got just one real quick news item before we jump into the meat of the episode. And if any of you are familiar with Blake Crouch, he writes really intense sci-fi thrillers like with parallel realities and alternate timelines and dark matter and like really trippy stuff. So if you are a fan of his writing, you will probably be excited to know that his novel, Dark Matter, is officially getting a series adaptation with Apple TV. And Joel Edgerton is slated to play the protagonist of the series. His name is Jason Dessen. Jason Dessen is a physicist and a professor, and he has a family. And one night while he's walking home in Chicago, he is abducted into an alternate version of his life. And while at first he thinks, holy cow, this is amazing, it quickly turns to a nightmare when he tries to return to his reality, and he realizes that... There's lots of lots of stuff going on. He needs to get back to his real family and save them from the most terrifying, unbeatable foe imaginable himself. So if you like your suspense with a heavy dose of hard science fiction and, like I said, theoretical physics and dark matter and alternate timelines and the multiverse and all of that fun stuff, you will definitely want to put this show on your radar and you'll definitely want to pick up a copy of his book. So again, that is Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, and that will be coming to Apple TV. And when we get a release date for that, we will let you know. And with that, Nezra, would you like to talk about what we're going to talk about in this episode. This is a great topic. Uh, I am super excited for this one. So uh, this was actually one of, I believe it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Kitty. So one of my colleagues reached out and they were like, I love the podcast. Here are some things I would love to hear you talk about because she, you know, herself is a big mystery, you know, fan. So it was her who recommended Locked Room Mysteries dun, 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 <laughs> as one of the potential like topics for the episodes and we were instantly sold because I think I feel like we have talked about locked room mysteries in one way or another but we haven't talked about them more recently in a very it's very much a proper locked room scenario which brings me to my next point what is a locked room scenario so essentially how I see it, uh, and I'd love to t- get your take on this too, Katie, but I, the way I see it is that it's basically close quarters, crime has happened, solve it. And it's like, you know, everyone has a motivation. Well, usually everyone has a motivation and it, that just complicates things further. And there's also like this added stress of there's limited time to do this before, you know, the person either strikes again or they escape. And it's just, it's just like the most thrilling sort of subgenre in mysteries where, because it's like, it there's the anxiety levels are through the roof, but it's also the most fun because it's fun to see how authors get creative with it and how they expand on this in given the constraints they have of location of timing. 
So yeah, so we're super excited. What do you think, Katie? What? How would you define locked room mysteries? Yeah, I think a lot of those points are definitely how I think about it. I also think about this as like one of the big tropes from the golden age of mysteries, like Agatha Christie. And all of the other mysteries that were written during that time period, like a lot of those I think could be considered locked room mysteries. And I think there's a couple of different aspects to it. One is definitely like the close quarters where anyone in that is in that confined space could have committed the murder. And there's also, I think, with some of these stories, an element of almost impossibility, or maybe not impossibility, but it's the way that the crime happened, it just seems to defy rational explanation. Like, you know, the room was literally locked from the inside and now the body is gone. Like that that kind of thing. You know, who got in there? How did, you know, how did the body get out? You know, all of this type of stuff. So it's really like a puzzle at its heart. And yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can play with this idea of confinement and locked spaces and stuff like that. And the book, one of the books that I'm going to talk about has kind of an interesting way of looking at this this idea of isolation. But yeah, there's just, it's really like, these are books, I think, for fans of classic mysteries, but also people who really love the puzzle-solving element of a mystery, because there's other stuff happening as well. And, you know, it can be on the cozy side, it can be on the darker side, but at its heart, it's like you've got this tangled mass of, like, information and clues and red herrings, and you have to figure out what happened. But yeah, it's a classic trope for a reason. Like, it, it just, when it's done well, it works. And so that's why we're seeing, you know, continuing to see so many of these mysteries being written today. And can I talk about my first book? Because I am so excited. I loved this one so much. <laughs> yes, please. I, I love that. Yes, please. Lead us. Okay, so the book that I picked, I picked this book without realizing that we were going to be featuring the author as one of the sponsors for this episode. So the author, Tessa Wiegert, that we mentioned in the pre-roll, I actually read the first book in that series, the Shane Emergent series, which is Death in the Family. And Death in the Family follows Shana Merchant, who used to work as a police detective in New York City, but now she has moved with her fiancé to upstate New York in the Thousand Islands region, which is much more secluded and much less intense than what she dealt with in the city. And they moved to this area because she had a traumatic incident where she was abducted by a serial killer that she was trying to find. So that's where we start off the story. And so Shayna and her partner, Tim, get a call one morning from the Sinclair family, who's very wealthy, very prominent in the area. They own a private island. And they called to say that a member of their family has suddenly gone missing and they don't know what happened to him. So Shayna and Tim go to this island to interview the family and see what happened. There's the question of, is this person missing or was he murdered? Because while there is no body, there is an enormous amount of blood in his bed. His girlfriend, who was sleeping next to him, has blood on her clothes, but that appears to be from just sleeping in the same bed. She doesn't know what happened to him. 
No one in the family has any idea. Some people are divided on whether he is missing or murdered. And very quickly, it becomes clear that this there's a lot of stuff happening with this family. You've got multiple siblings, you've got multi-generational wealth, you have people who are part of the family and people who have married into the family and people who are just dating members of the family. And there is, it's very apparent that there are a lot of tensions happening here. And so with this book, the locked room element is in two ways. One, no one knows what happened to this person. We don't know what happened to the body or whether or not he's alive or not. And there is also the fact that they are on a private island, which is secluded in and of itself, but then a big storm comes in and makes it impossible for anyone in the family or any of the any of the police detectives to get back to the mainland. So basically everyone is trapped on this island in this gigantic house and someone there is a murderer. So, yeah, it has a lot of trappings of the classical type of Agatha Christie story. And they there are even small references like Shana talks about when she's addressing the family in the room that she's putting on her best Poirot and stuff. So it's written with a nod to these very well-known stories and very well-known characters that inspired it. But it's a more modern story in terms of the secrets that people are keeping and the relationships that they have with one another. Yeah, so it's classic and it's new. And this book was such a page turner. Like, I literally read like 85% of it in a single sitting. It was so good. It kept me guessing to the end. And when you finally figure out what happened, it feel you you're like, oh, like it was a very well crafted mystery. And the clues were laid out well, they were obscured well. It was just very skillfully done. The characters were all really interesting. And I just flew through this book. And I immediately texted my mother-in-law to say, here's a book I think you would really like. And I immediately made a note that I have got to read the next books in the series. So yeah, this one, I loved it to pieces. And again, that was Death in the Family by Tessa Wiegert. I love it. So for my first pick, I have one of the books that is one of my absolute favorite mysteries that reminds me of again and again when I think of it, of why I fell in love with mysteries in the first place. It is The Eighth Detective by Alex Pavesi. And I feel like I've talked about this in passing in the show, but never in quite as much detail as I'm about to. So brace yourselves. So it's about this uh, professor, Grant McAllister, he was a professor of mathematics and he came up with the perfect formula for writing a mystery there is, for murder mysteries. There is a victim, there's a suspect and there's a detective. And all you have to do is basically keep shuffling the sequence. And he basically took this formula and he penned seven short stories that, you know, that were published and that never quite had like their fame moment. But they're just out in the world. And now Grant McAllister is uh, is retired and he has moved to a Mediterranean island. And just like, he's just living his life away, right? This was like 30 years ago. And now there's uh, Julia Hart. She is 
na a publishing house is now interested in republishing his stories and sort of giving them the treatment you know that they think that the stories actually deserved so enters julia hart who is an ambitious editor who knocks on his door and she you know she approaches him and she asks him that let's say we want to republish these but there are some bits and pieces missing that we want to add and she wants like more context about the stories and just just more of that stuff right so grant mcallister agrees i mean it's all a very nice arrangement and what happens is in the book is then we read each of his stories so each like we read the first story and then we sort of get grant's context as he's narrating it to julia and then comes the second story so it's like a story collection but at the same time it, you're very much there's not this disorienting sense that you have exited a novel that's one of the reasons why i love this book so much is because it does this so well that there are short there are stories within a story but you don't get that sense of like you had to disengage yourself from the main story so that's happening what makes it a long term mystery though is first of all all of the book all of the stories that are in it features some kind of element of locked room mystery so like you know either a murder has happened in a close quarters or like there is an and then there were none sort of inspiration in here so like each of the story has a locked room element in it where close quarter there's a time limit to it people might you know you can't let anyone escape because everyone is a suspect but then the main story as julia is hearing his context over each and each story she starts to feel like wait a minute something is not quite adding up and i'll leave it at that but basically this is one of when it's the, when katie to your point when you were saying that there's this element of like solving a puzzle in locked room mysteries this is basically the epitome of that you have to literally put it all together yourself like you get the chance to like nothing is hidden from you it's all out there but it's so smartly done that you like you'll probably miss it anyway so that's the aid detective by alex pervasi you know when you talk about a story within a story the not necessarily in a locked room context but the first book that came to mind was the magpie murders yes yes i feel would that be a locked room mystery i don't know you know, it's been so long since I read it that I don't remember the specifics. I don't think so, yeah. But if someone is looking for a mystery that harkens back to, like, the golden age of detective stories, that would yes. be a really good one. Yes. All right. And then before I jump into my second pick, I have our second sponsor for this episode, which is us. Or more specifically, it is TBR, Book Riot's Book Recommendation Service. And if you have not looked at TBR, now is the time to check it out. It is our subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. With TBR, you tell our professional book nerds, although we call them bibliologists, about your likes and dislikes and whether you want comfort reads or stretch reads and, of course, what your reading goals are. And then just sit back while they comb through your Goodreads account, if you have one, and handpick recommendations and must-reads just for you. TBR offers plans to receive three hardcover books in the mail or three recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget, and the recommendations-only level is available worldwide. So after 
after each order, give your bibliologist feedback, update your requests to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically enjoy having your own personal book concierge. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today, and it only takes a few minutes to sign up. That's mytbr.co. All right, so... I have to admit that my second pick was one that I did not get a chance to read because I literally forgot what day of the week it was, probably because of my foot issues. And then the next thing I know, it's like, wait, what do you mean we're recording the podcast this weekend? And I'm supposed to read how many books for this? (laughs) I had a complete brain freeze. So I do apologize for that. But I do still want to talk about this book because it has been getting so much attention. It was just recently published and it definitely fits the mold of what we're talking about. So I do apologize that I'm not able to talk about my own reading experiences, but I do have a copy of the book at home. And so I'm hopeful that I will be able to dive into this very, very shortly. So my second pick is Under Lock and Skeleton Key by Gigi Pendian. And this book came out literally like two weeks ago. And this, it's been getting attention from library reads where each month they post a list of the books that librarians have voted on that they're most excited about that month. It may have been on the Indie Next list, I can't remember, but it's, it's been getting, it's been getting so much buzz. And it just sounds so delightful. So Tempest is the main character, and her career has been derailed after a disastrous accident. And she returns home to California, where she grew up, and she's trying to comfort herself with her grandfather's home-cooked Indian meals, which I'm like, oh, that sounds really good. (laughs) And even though she tries to resist, she knows that she is being pulled towards the inevitable, which is working for her father's company. Now, her father's company is awesome. And they specialize in bringing the magic of childhood to all by renovating people's homes with sliding bookcases, backyard tree houses, hidden reading nooks. So basically everything you ever wanted as a kid, like a little hideaway space or a secret room or anything along those lines, her father's company specializes in creating those experiences. And immediately when I read that, I'm like, I want that. <laughs> I want sliding bookcases. I want a hidden reading nook where no one can bother me. Like, this sounds brilliant. So Tempest visits her her father's latest renovation project. But much to her surprise... Her former stage double is discovered dead inside a wall that has supposedly been sealed for more than a century. So that's quite a surprise. And the thing is that because this was Tempest's stage double, she's afraid that she herself was actually the intended victim. And so now she's got to figure out who's behind this, Are they actually targeting her? How the heck did they get this body behind this wall that's supposedly been sealed for over 100 years? But as she dives more into the mystery, she starts to wonder if the family curse that her family says has plagued them all for generations, and she's never put much stock into it, but now she's wondering, going, hmm... Is there something to this? I don't know. So that is the general premise of the book. And 
it just sounds so delightful. It sounds like an interesting, complex mystery. It is, it sounds like it's more, I'm, without reading it, I'm not going to say whether or not I think it, it is, would be considered a true cozy mystery, but it seems like it at least falls on that side of the spectrum. So if you're looking for something that's not super dark, this seems like it would be just a really whimsical and delightful puzzle to get lost in. So again, that is Under Lock and Skeleton Key by Gigi Pandian. And I sincerely hope that I get the chance to read this very soon. I love that so much. It it also reminds me of the uh, recent release. I think we spoke about it in the last episode, The Cartographers by Peng Shepherd. It mm-hmm. also is like, it has those like map making and not matchmaking. I don't know why that sounded like matchmaking in my head. Map making. <laughs> but yes, I, I that sounds super intriguing. I'm definitely going to pick that up. I, I love how there's this trend of like books that are not cozy cozy, but at least there's just this sense of fun and nostalgia to them. It's like, whimsy whimsy exactly because it's like no genre needs to take itself too seriously like it's okay it's all like it's all good they're books like no need to get tied up anyways my second pick is so my second pick i feel like this this episode could also be like locked room mysteries and nostalgia because this basically episode this book is a big like I like to think of it as a love letter to And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie by the author. So it's uh, They All Fall Down by Rachel Housel Hall. And I, the thing I've learned about Rachel Housel Hall is her writing. It's very, I, I, I don't want to call lovely because, you know, mysteries, death, murder, but like, it's very readable. Like it's it's like the way she moved from one sentence to another. There's like zero pretension there. She's just she just wants to tell a story, and I appreciate that so much. Like I I love that. So this book, they all fall down. It is inspired by and then there were none by Gather Christie. It tells of our main protagonist Miriam Macy. She sails off to a luxurious pri- private island off the coast of Mexico, uh, with six other strangers. Like as we go with all of these six strangers to the island, all the seven strangers, including Miriam, we learn that they have all been brought to the island for like a secret vacation, like for like a vacation, but they've been brought under false pretenses. Like there's a reason to why they've all been brought there. And all seven of them have secrets and all seven of them are pretty, like, you know how we define, like, they're unreliable narrators, like, no one's motivations are clear, no, everyone has a secret that they're holding from their past, Um, they're not the best of people, like, they're not kind, nice people, and slowly, each one of them starts dying, so... You know, and it becomes like a race of like who who stays behind. They have to find out who's doing it because it's just them on this island. So who is responsible for these deaths? And like the next person has to save themselves before it's too late and, and on it goes. It takes a lot of the locked room mystery boxes because, of course, like they're alone in an island. But they're also like in this lonely mansion. There, there's no cell phone coverage. They're alone in a lonely mansion. There's no one on the island. There's no way to escape. There's no way to like rush back to shore or anything like that. So it's got that element of Lockdrew Mysteries, but it's like it expands on it a bit, but it brings it back really fast. Like it traps them all inside really fast. So that's the All Fall Down by Rachel Housel Hall. And if you have been looking to fill that and then there were none hole in your heart, this book is it. 
Yeah, you know, that was actually one I was debating about if I wanted to talk about on this episode, because I read it shortly after it came out. And I remember really enjoying it and really enjoying the complex characters. Like, I wouldn't say that the character were, characters were just completely and utterly, like, downright unlikable, but they're not... Likeable. They're complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like... Like any human being, like there's nuance to them. Like it's not just like they're not, you know, binary. Like it, it's not like, yeah, they're not a combination of good or bad things that it. It's like choices that have brought them at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I second that recommendation. That was that was one I was like, okay, if I, I, I like I said, I was debating it, and now I'm glad I didn't. So we can. <laughs> I was uh, I was actually afraid that um, that because Under Lock and Skeleton Key has been getting so much buzz that that might have been one that we both ended up talking about. And I'm like, mm. but it just goes to show about just especially right now how popular these types of stories are. Yes. So with that, I mean, like we said, there's tons of examples of these types of stories and they are so much fun so if you have your own favorite locked room mystery let us know we would love to add more stuff to our reading list because of course they're not long enough and we're very excited to see what new ones get published over the coming months and yeah with that um i think it's time to uh jump into our new releases yeah, so yeah, there's a fair number to choose from coming out over the next couple of weeks, but the one that I picked, and this is coming out on April 5th, so by the time everyone is listening to this, this book will be available to purchase, and this is Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee, and it's a heist novel pitched as The Farewell Meets Ocean's Eleven, and it's actually based on a true story of Chinese art vanishing from Western museums. And it's also about diaspora, unlikely friendships, the colonization of art, the complexity of the Chinese-American identity. So, you know, lots of stuff happening in this book. So the main character's name is Will Chen. He is a uh, Chinese-American art history major at Harvard. And he has spent most of his life learning about Western culture and its art, its culture, everything that it has taken and called its own. And despite this, he believes that art belongs with its creators. So when a Chinese corporation offers him a very illegal chance to reclaim five priceless sculptures that China lost centuries ago, he finds it surprisingly easy to say yes. And so since this is a heist novel, he has to assemble a crew, and his crew is made up of fellow students chosen out of his boundless optimism for their skills and loyalty, not for their criminal experience. <laughs> Even though this book is compared to Ocean's Eleven, this group is not Ocean's Eleven, but he's cast them into their respective heist archetypes anyway to help him execute his plan. And each student has their own complicated relationship with China and their identities that they've cultivated as Chinese Americans, but they all have something in common, which is that when Will asks them to help him, they won't say no. Because if they succeed, they earn an unfathomable 10 million each and a chance to make history. If they fail, they lose everything and the West wins again. So... 
Yeah, this book just has a lot of stuff going on here. This is another book that has been getting a ton of buzz. And it's one that readers will definitely not want to miss. And again, that is called Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. And that is out on April 5th. All right. For my new release pick for the week, it is Book Riot's very own teaser prices, Sense and Sense Second Degree Murder, which is the second in the series of, I want to say, retellings of all of Jane Austen's novels. The first one was Pride and Brief Meditation. And each of these in the series has mystery and a romance element to it, but the mystery is the more like the more dominant uh, element in there. And if you have not picked up Pride and Premeditation yet, I highly, highly recommend it. It's just like a, like, it's like a warm hug, but at the same time, it's like a mystery. So you're like staying up and like turning those pages. It's like you're in, yeah, you're in the center of Austin's world, but make it with murder. So all of you P.D. James fans out there. Like, you need to pick this up. And all of Austin fans. But The Sense and Second Degree Murder is inspired by Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. So it tells of an 18-year-old aspiring scientist, Eleanor Dashwood. She discovers her beloved father slumped over the desk of his office study. Uh, and she knows his death means more dire straits for the Dashwood woman. Uh, to make matters worse, an outdated will entails his estate, including Norland and Company, the private investigation firm where her younger sister Marion worked. It's going to go to their half-brother and his haughty wife, who wastes no time in forcing the Dashwoods out of their home and into a cramped apartment on London's Barton Street. I cannot defend with Regency laws about property right now. I recently finished watching Bridgerton, so I am fresh off my fields. But before they go, the Dashwood sisters make a startling discovery. A suspicious substance in their father's teacup, one that can be described as poison. And poison, as Marion's father taught her, always points to murder. It could be dangerous, it could ruin their reputations, and most importantly, it won't bring back their father. But if, they're da if the Dashwood sisters can combine their talents and bring their father's murder to justice, it may bring them all some comfort and it might even lead to love. So that sense, uh, that sense in second degree murder, and it is out on April 5th. And with that, that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Singh, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookride.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookride.com slash listen or just search bookride on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookride.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.